Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Excited to share with you God's Word today. I had a great time being gone last week. I really did. I had a good time not being here. Um, but, uh, it, it, well, I mean, I like being here because I always want to be here, but but it was nice. Uh, it, it's so funny, though, because when I'm away, I, uh, I was like, I'm following the service minute by minute by minute. It, it really, I really do. I, I just, I'm like following the service. And then at one moment I said, I can't take it any longer. So I, I just, I just uh, pulled up the, the, you know, the security video cameras, which, you know, I don't show you much, but it's like, okay, there's, there's the parking lot, you know, and there's the kids rooms. I looked at, okay, there's what's going on in the children's rooms. It was so much fun. I mean, I saw some of you guys just worshiping God and all that's like, you know, from your backs. I mean, I couldn't see who you were, but it, it was, it was so funny. I, I had to dial in just for a second just to see that, but it's good to be back with you today. I'd like for you to go ahead and get your notes out. And uh, and a Bible, Bible app. And as you're doing so, get your Bible open to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, 31. While you're getting your Bibles open to that, you know, there are are a lot of good places to eat in Fort Worth. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I even noticed our own Fort Worth foodie was was welcoming us at the at the entrance today. Yeah, so so it was it's uh it's it there are a lot of good places to eat. And of course you know that, but but I was just thinking about some of the places downtown, you know, there's Del Frisco's Double Eagle Steakhouse, you know, the Capitol Grill. Uh you know, there's another one, Grace downtown, and I've eaten there before, but but I did figure this out. They don't give you grace though if you don't pay your bill. They, there's no grace there. Uh Riata. You know, kind of get the West Texas feel. There's Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, you know, but 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 if you don't want to take out a loan to eat you know, to eat dinner, you know what I'm saying? You might do like I like to do it. I like to go to the hole in the wall restaurants. Any of you guys like that? I love the hole in the wall restaurants. I do. Now I have to tell you, one of my favorites is Taqueria Melis. Now, this is not one that you may know about because I didn't know about it until a, a, a true um, city lifer said, you have to have breakfast with me there one morning. So I did. And now it is a rather authentic uh, street taco joint. So if you're driving down Vickery, just take a look at this. And if you're driving down Vickery toward my neighborhood, you might see this unsus- just unassuming unassus- little place. There's really nothing about it to grab your attention, no flashing lights, no gorgeous signage, but but you will find this nice, well, you will find this hand-painted sign, and, and, and I, on plywood, and I kind of like it, because on the left, you see, it says, bienvenidos, amigos, you know, and, and I'm happy about that, and then there's the guitar, it's a little bit bent, uh, it, it's, it's, it's been through some things, and it's Melis Taqueria. Also, but see, the restaurant is also known as Taqueria Melis. I'm not quite sure which one it is, but I'll just go for either one. And, and you know, they have tacos y tortas, and, and you get to the bottom, and the phone number is 817-3778. What is that? <laughs> four, eight, uh, it's kind of a four. 
It's one. It's it's a definitely a number. And I know I know just a little bit about Spanish. I don't think they do their numbers like that. But so it's, and I'll just say eight four eight four. Now. I'll just tell you about this place. It's not an indoor restaurant. Uh, You eat kind of like in the parking lot-ish, and uh, it's just a window you walk up to, and as soon as you walk up, you feel the cool air rushing out of the window, and you kind of lean in to get the cool air. And and uh, but but they have a, they have a great breakfast menu. This is the first thing I saw when I first went there. And uh, but FYI, I just want to tell you guys, do not order coffee there because they don't have coffee. Uh, it's 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 a street taco place. So if you want talkie, you talk uh, coffee, you go down to Subway, which is about a block away, get your coffee and bring it over there. Uh, and, and look, I mean the no, don't no, go back. Go back. The, if you'll take a look at this, it does say that the down at the very bottom, it is open at 6 a.m. all day and then closed at 10 p.m. Now, that's pretty cool. And so I was excited about that. And then go over to look at the other sign as, as, I'm, as I'm getting a little closer. And then it's like open 7 a.m. Wait, now what? Well, which, which is it? Which is it? And I actually had to deal with that one day because I wanted to have tacos there early one morning. It was prior to seven. It's like, is it six or seven? I don't know because I've seen both signs. And so I went at 6.20 and guess what? They were open. <sighs> and the prices. I mean, just look at that. Look at the prices. I, well, if, if you kind of look close, you'll notice that they're like, they're taped on there and, and you can kind of like peel them off and maybe look at the old prices and, and, and it's just, it, and the, but, but one thing that is really nice, they don't serve coffee, but they do have at the very bottom, the handy dandy bottle opener. So you can just open up your Topo Chico and, and enjoy it right there. And it, it's pretty awesome. I mean, who needs coffee anyway, when you have Topo Chico, right? So this place is actually a treat to me. It's authentic, uh, but it's also cash only because it is like, a, I mean, if you're at a street vendor in Mexico, you're not not going to whip out your plastic and you know go say do you take plastico and they're like no you know okay but but and another thing about this is it has some great reviews on google but sometimes just for fun when i just feel like laughing i love to pull up restaurants that have great reviews on google and i go and zoom in on the one star reviews you guys ever do that i do that just occasionally just just for fun because i need it and, and i did that on Friday, and um, I, I, we're, I'm going to show you some of them. So here, here they are. Here they are. Here's one one's, uh, review, and this is from two years ago. It says, I wanted to try this popular local breakfast taco dive place. However, cash only. I have to say that because it's in all caps. I didn't have cash on me, and my bank was far from this place. Left dissatisfied. We'll go back. What? Cash? And so, one star. They showed them. How dare them being an authentic street taco place. How annoying. Oh, here, here's another one of my one-star reviews. Uh, this is just three weeks ago. They use Mission Tortillas. <gasps> Busted. They're not really authentic or good. It's a lot of fuss about nothing. Now, here's what I'm wondering about this person. I bet they're going to get really, really upset when they find out that they really don't have cows, pigs, and chickens behind the restaurant they, that they actually butchered to make the taco meat because that, my friend, would be authentic. So actually, they are extremely inauthentic from this person's point of view. One star, that's what they get. They showed them. I love this next one. It's actually my favorite of all. One star. Here it is. Here it is. Bad. 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 I mean, four months ago, this person puts it up there. And, and one of the things I did, I've been blocking out the names, if you see, because if you go to church here and you're one of these people, I don't want you to be embarrassed. But this person, I looked in and it said, how many reviews have they made on Google? One. They've made their, their one review on Google four months ago. One review. 
bad. So, well, the next one's actually a little bit fun. And, and since I really don't speak Spanish fluently, uh, it, it, it's kind of interesting on how this looks. Flip over to the next one. Let's take a look at this. Uh, th- this, is, this is interesting. Translated by Google, malismo, taste, and service that hurts. Those of you who speak fluent Spanish, I don't even know how that translates, but, but it's, it, it's, you know, it's very, very sad. It's, it's actually quite funny. And here, here's another one of the one-star reviews I have to show about Taqueria Melis or Melis Taqueria, however you want to say it. This is good. Uh, it, okay, here we go. Is bad, horrible, dirty. All exclamation points. The tortilla is uncooked. There is not ac or AC in there. 225 each taco. Now, this actually had to be my favorite because, wait, think about this. The tortilla is uncooked. So they're serving like mission tortillas that actually were never really cooked when they put them into the bag. So they're serving mission tortilla dough? And it's like, like okay, okay, wait a minute. And, and also, I have to think about this. Obviously, Melis Taqueria has not yet hacked into the scientific absurdity that you can air condition the outdoors in Texas, you know? And, and then expensive tacos? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and, 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 and it's kind of interesting because it says two twenty-five each taco, but I showed you the menu earlier, and it doesn't say that. It actually says two fifteen. So they're they're actually getting charged more than what the menu say. I think that person's a sucker right there. And I can see them. They're probably at the bottom of this. They're saying, "I'm heading back to Del Frisco's, you know, where I get what I pay for." All right, all right. So so all, those are fun. But then they'll got to look at the five star review. Here's a five star review. Now, wait a minute. This person on the five-star review puts the prices on them and gives a five-star review. Just the opposite of the person who puts the wrong price and gives a one-star review. My family might have been going here since 24. Uh, I've, I've seen the prices go from 125 to Taco, and now they're 210. Wait a minute, but five stars? Aren't we supposed to complain about that? Oh, no. By far the best tacos in DFW. My family loves their great fruit and their food and fresh flavor. It's a bit of a drive for us, so we always buy a few dozen at a time and eat them a couple of days amazing actually and that's that's great i mean this, but that's what you expect and you know, the other person said it's dirty but you know what i've never really eaten tacos in a parking lot that didn't feel a little bit dirty but that's actually why they call them street tacos any of you guys ever eaten street tacos really real street tacos in mexico mexico mexican street tacos on the street in mexico i'm telling you you smell the diesel go by and you're getting splashed with mud and you don't care because those tacos are amazing and, and you know what? That, this is kind of interesting. Bottom line is you don't judge uh, you know, a restaurant by its cover or like a book by its cover. You don't judge a restaurant by its pricing or its menus or its signage or its desire to accept or not accept your plastic or whether you have to eat outdoors on the parking lot. But restaurants are a lot like people. What if Facebook started something new? I know they've been doing some bizarre stuff lately, but what if they started allowing people to review other people? Gives one, two, three, five. Yeah, that would be very, very, very interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, it would be crazy intense, but it's kind of interesting. Facebook doesn't have to do it because we actually just kind of do it all the time, don't we? You know, like a restaurant, there's really no way to know the gold that's inside a person unless you actually get to know them. If you look at Taqueria Melis, you might say, oh my goodness, that's the worst signage ever. I would never go there. 
You know, and if a person is rude or angry or hostile, maybe God has sent you to that person to be an encouragement to them. Yet on the other hand, the person might be polished and professional and have this exquisite taste in clothing style, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're full of grace and love, though. Hey, guys, here's the truth. External appearances mean nothing. The truth is, when it comes to relationships, we can all use a friend or two, and they may not come in the Sundance Square uh, packaging either. They may not, and that's okay. You see, in this series, I'm talking about having an insatiable desire to soar. But one of the threats to soaring is what I would call friendlessness. Why are so many people missing out on friends? Well, actually, one of the reasons is because of our highly transient lifestyles is we're always moving and we're shifting and we're changing jobs and even careers. And now, because that's actually the norm, a lot of people, a lot of us can end up in situations of friendlessness. And sometimes just the thought of getting a new friendship brings back painful memories from your past about relationship pain and rejection and offense. And, 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 you, know, and, and you, you begin to put up a wall without even realizing it. You're saying, no, no, no new people. You think about it, if you don't feel you have enough time for a new friend, you might just be making a horrible mistake, according to scientists and sociologists, because research shows that friendlessness will diminish your lifespan by about 10%. Yesterday, even, marketwatch.com, they published an article, and it caught my eye. It says, is there a friendship crisis? And believe me, I clicked on it. And it says that people who have strong friendship live 7.5 years longer than those who have weak or few social ties. It stated that a lack of friendships is now considered to be a public health problem in America. Their conclusion at the end of the article is friendship extends life significantly. Or in my words, life-giving friends will help you soar. And this is actually very deeply spiritual. I'll be honest, one of the best places to find a friend is right here. Why? It's because even though every single person in this room is imperfect and deeply flawed, if they've given their lives to Jesus, God himself lives in them. And God can be found in those people sitting around you right now. Seeking God, it's not just something we do in prayer. It's not just something we do by, by engaging with God's word or, or the, the scriptures or worshiping God. See, God himself is actually made more real to us when we engage in friendships with what I would call true Christians. Now, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. This is the central passage for uh, this series of messages. And take a look at it. It says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not be faint. I want you to have renewed strength to soar, but it is also, but it is, and it's always the result of seeking after and, and, and leaning into and searching for God. But hear me well. I've shared several messages on this topic already, but you also find God in the lives of other people around you. That is actually a key to soaring. And as your pastor, I want you to soar high. I'm encouraging you today is to put a new friend in your future. 
The people in the New Testament who helped spread the message of Jesus Christ around the world, they, they were friends, and they leaned into one another uh, for advice and strength and encouragement, and they had healthy friendships and relationships. And Paul and his church-planting companion, Barnabas, uh, they'd been taking this message of Jesus outside of the normal church planting paradigm. They were doing it different, and they were starting churches that uh, that were started with Gentiles. These were non-Jews, and, uh, and 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 there were a lot of the traditional Jewish Christians that kind of got all up in arms about all of this, and and they became some intense debates over the issues. And if it were happening in today's world, basically they would have built websites and put up blogs and even set up YouTube channels to condemn this these new contemporary churches going throughout the Roman Empire. But the debate actually resulted in a conference that was called together in Jerusalem. And a group of friends uh, who were the church leaders, they came together to discuss these issues. They called them all in together into town. And uh, from all, from long distances, Paul and Barnabas came, you know, who knows how many hundreds of miles they came. And they, but they began to share about how God was transforming people outside of the Jewish community. And everybody was saying, yeah, this is a great thing. We're all excited about this. But then the situation raised a really sticky and extremely tricky situation. Now, before I go any further, I want to remind everyone, this, this is not the G-rated service. All right, I say this from time to time just to remind you, the G-rated service is back there in the children's area. Uh, so that's, that's the alternative. They do filter back there. Here we preach all of God's word, okay? You guys nervous? Yeah, I can see you. I can, I can sense the tension in the room. For those of you who can handle adult material without offense and without embarrassment, you're allowed to remain. Okay. Oh, you said so. All right. You've been warned. Okay. After this, everything in this message is PG-13 at least. Okay. All right, up until this point, all the people who had become Christians, they were Jews like Jesus and the disciples and Paul and all them. But when these non-Jewish people started responding to, the, uh, to this message, which originated in the Jewish tradition, did they have to adopt all of the Jewish laws and customs as well? Did they? I mean, did they have to, in other words, did they have to do church the same way the traditional Jews, Jewish Christians did church? Oh, okay, you're not getting it. It's time to be specific. I'll just say it. They wanted to know if the Gentile men and boys who became Christians had to become circumcised to continue to go to church. Let me just say it another way. If a man came to faith in Jesus and he was not circumcised, should he go through with this humiliating and rather painful procedure of circumcision to validate his faith and then let the church leaders know, yes, I'm ready to become a, a part of this church? I'll give you evidence. I mean, I'm serious. That's, that's, that's what it was all about. They were arguing about that. Now, uh, yeah, hey, guys, if you're moving through this Bible reading plan, which I encourage you to do during this series, which is in version, which is called the Bible Project, Paul's Letters. If you're going through that with me, you're going to discover that in Paul's letters, he addresses this from time to time to various churches throughout the Roman Empire. And you even actually are going to find, I want to tell you about this on one occasion, when Paul is so upset about this because some preachers are demanding that the men and the boys in the church get circumcised, that he says he wished that the preachers who were preaching that and doing the circumcisions, that their knife would slip and they would actually cut their own thing off. Okay, that's, that's, 
That's in the Bible. That's how many of you know that's in the Bible? How many of you think I have just lost my mind? Okay, well, the, the yes, I know. Yes, that's okay. I've not lost my mind. It's there. Read it. See, that was a tense issue, but the issue was resolved among friends. Paul and Barnabas weren't just going to go through this alone. And God spoke through the friends to bring resolution to a very tense issue. So what happened is everybody had this big meeting and James, uh, he chimed in and he was basically the acting apostolic leader. Maybe you can call him the head senior pastor or the CEO of Christianity, whatever. But, but whatever you want to call him, he delivered the verdict and it's listed for us in the Bible. James says this, is now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that we nor our ancestors were ever able to bear? In other words, we don't even like this thing, Okay. <laughs> He says, no, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. That's huge. And that's actually one of the big things we base the uh, uh, Christianity upon is right there. So he says this, James says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. So after this, Paul and Barnabas, they submitted to the council of their godly friends, and they headed off with their detailed marching orders. And all of this came about because of the power of relationships and people's desire to hear from God through godly relationships. And as a result of this, what happened is the church, uh, as they began planting churches, their church planting efforts began to soar. When they got back to their territory, they were starting these churches with a very different style than the traditional churches in the Jerusalem area. And the, and the message spread farther and faster than it ever had before. And still today, we make no issue about circumcision. I, and how many of you are glad for that? No, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm just glad for that, all right? Instead, what do we do? We preach and we teach about the grace of God and the power of relational spiritual growth. Yeah, that's even why connect groups are important to us at City Life. It's part of that is just discovering new friends, just like Paul and Barnabas. It's, it's been the same with us at City Life. Really, from the very beginning, we decided this church was going to be Bible-based and Jesus-focused. And we, were, we were going to focus on Jesus and his word and not a bunch of add-on rules. You know, even at the beginning, we didn't have any infrastructure, and there's a few people who came together in what we call a connect group, and we sat right here, and, and I sat on a stool with them, and, and, and we just believed in making Jesus know. We had this crazy dream that God could do something amazing in downtown Fort Worth, and I'm grateful for our friends who are here. And I'm also grateful for my personal friends outside this church who never came to one service, but who knew Tim, who believed in what we were doing. They believed in me. They said, in fact, I had a couple say, Tim, I don't even believe in what you're doing. I think that's crazy. I think, I don't even know if that's possible, but I believe in you. And so we're going to invest in this. They invested money and prayer. So this would happen. And up to this point, even in our church, uh, some of these friends of mine, they've even been functioning as our corporate church board um, to, to, to just to get us to this place. But, you know, here on Sunday, February 10th of next year, uh, we're going to be having our official launch of City Life as a self-governed, sovereign, autonomous church. A church overflowing with the fruit of the spirit, with glowing authenticity and grace-filled warmth and magnetic energy and contagious happiness and vibrant servanthood. And it's because of friends both in this room and across this metroplex, friends of mine, 
that the church that I've dreamed about all my life has come to pass. And I'm excited about it. Bible-based, Jesus-focused, always majoring on what is most important to Father God. Church of grace and truth overflowing with life and love. That's my heart. That's my dream. In fact, here at City Life, we'd like to say this. You can belong even before you believe. This means that you don't have to believe every single little thing that I'm saying in order to be a part. You don't have to agree with me on everything before you can come in here and make friends and build relationships and serve and and be a part of this atmosphere. But one thing we are very serious about is relationships in in this church. And it's my desire that this church will be a place where you can also bring friends and you can also discover friends here. My life, I've always consider there to be three categories of friends or three different types of friends. I would call them three intentional friends. I encourage you to do the same. Number one is Jesus. Jesus is a real friend. He is a friend. He is my friend. Another type of a friend is, is friends that would be called faith challenges, all right? These are friends who maybe don't believe but they're, and they're a challenge, and they may even challenge you in their faith, but well, in your faith, but, but you, we should have those people in our lives. And the third one is faith accelerators. And I hope some of you around here are faith accelerators. These are friends who will add to your faith, helping you to become stronger. In fact, part of the ministry of our church is to design groups with all, so that all three of these types of intentional friends in our lives can meet together. Jesus and, and the faith challenges and the faith accelerators can get together in a non-threatening environment. Again, that's what we call connect groups, and that's how this church started, and that's how we continue to flourish. But there's something to remember about friends, guys. A friend is never a project. Yeah. They're not a project. Projects are for your job, and you hang those up when you leave, all right? Friends are relationships. A friend is someone that you share affinity with, and you're with them and for them in the good times and the bad times. It's about building relationships. It's about sharing experiences. Don't try to do life alone. A key to friendship is even just to call the gold out of someone else. There's gold in every person you Meet. I'll say that. There's gold in everyone. Train your eyes to see the gold in others. No one is without value. No one is a lost cause. So be receptive for growth and correction by God through those other people. Invite people into your lives, people who have the potential of helping you grow. In the book of Proverbs, ancient Israel's king uh, Solomon, he had a lot to say about relationships. And, and, and you know, if, if you want to have friends, you don't make it at all about what you think. Solomon says this, he says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but in airing their own opinions. In other words, try to listen more than talk. That's how we actually find the gold in other people. He also encourages us to not be selfish and to isolate ourselves. He says this, he says, an unfriendly person isolates himself and seems to care only about his own issues for his contempt of sound judgment actually makes him a recluse so the bible has a lot to say about relationships and preserving and maintaining relationships and they're critical if you want to soar in life okay now now we're in church we're in church right so i want to ask you a random question about god and i want you to think about what the answer is what does god hate the most think about it for just a second what comes to mind what is it that just ticks God off? He's like, ah. 
Okay, I want you to think of that one biggest thing. Get it in your head that God absolutely cannot stand. Now, when you've got it in your mind, I want you to lift your hand. I'm not going to call on you. I promise. I'm not going to call. Lift your hand when you get that one thing in mind. I'm not going to. This is not a trick. I'm not going to deceive you on anything. You get one thing in mind. What does God really, really hate the most? Come on, this is probably the first thing that came to your mind. Now, okay, put your hands down. With that in mind, I want you to think about that. You can put your hands down. I want to see if what you're thinking is actually on the list of what he hates the most. Did you know there is a list? Yeah. It's referred to as, quite often referred to as the seven deadly sins. Catholicism refers to it as that. But when you look at them most closely, you find out that these things that God hates the most are all about things that destroy relationships with other people. Did you know that? That's what God just doesn't like. Here it is. It says there are six evils that God hates, truly hates, and the seventh, so there are seven actually in the list, that is an abomination to him. Putting others down while considering yourself superior. Next one. Spreading lies and rumors. Next one. Spilling the blood of the innocent. Next one. Plotting evil in your heart toward another. Next one, gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. The next one, spouting lies in false testimony. And the seventh, which is an abomination to God, is this, stirring up strife between friends. Some of you might have thought, well, a pastor's preaching on friendship. That's kind of shallow. Welcome to God's beautiful word. Were these things on your list? Was stirring up strife between people that thing that you just knew God hated the most? Most people, most of you guys would say, nah, that wasn't on my list. So why does God hate this stuff so much? It's because doing these things destroys relationships. It isolates people. It causes people to become cynical and recluse and hateful. And when we do these things, we actually stop the flow of God coming into our lives from other people because relationship with God is both, both vertical and it's horizontal. When we're praying and we're listening to the word of God, we're singing songs and we're worshiping him. That's the vertical relationship. But there's also the horizontal part that's just as important to God based upon these things that God hates the most. God cares so much about how we relate to each other that God even himself came down to earth in the form of a human, his own creation. God became the creation. And why? It's because relationships matter to God. Unless God became a person, we could never really truly comprehend or understand the eminence of God, nor the reality that Jesus should first and foremost be our friend. Jesus sculpted this out for really what a true friend is when he came to earth. A challenge for you today is to soar high and to put a new friend in your life, or two, or three. Because relationships are always the key to soaring. God designed it that way, and Jesus is at the very center of it. Therefore, we as our church choose to follow the ancient ways of the traditions of the church by putting relationships as paramount. I want us to pray. I don't want any movement at this time. I'd like for you to close your eyes and focus internally. 
Maybe you've been here today and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. He's not your friend. And, and if you want to know Jesus, if you want that new beginning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond by lifting your hand in just a moment, knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine, and he died for you so that you could have life. And if you'd like to be included in my closing prayer in just a moment, surrender your life completely to Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to give me a response by lifting your hand at the count of three so I can connect my faith with yours. Will you do that? One, two, three. Lift your hand. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else? You want to give your life to Jesus? Lift your hand for me. Thank you. You can put your hands down. I would like for everyone in this room, if, if you lifted your hand along with everyone else in this room, I want you guys to all stand right now. Stand right now, and I want this to the entire congregation of believers in this room to pray these words with me right now. Come on, everyone, pray this. If you lifted your hand, pray from the bottom of your heart to Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive my sins. For it's time for me to live. So I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you for your friendship. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a, a shift that is coming in your life or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more and City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, you could also just come and visit one of our services because I, I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.